podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, your host, and today we have a, another special guest, uh, Ed Vincent, who is working on, who has worked on some really, really cool things and is currently working on an exciting new company. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. It's called Festival Pass. But uh, let me kind of introduce you, Ed, real quick, and then you can kind of tell us a little bit more about your background. But uh, Ed, you are an entrepreneur and founder uh, multiple times over at this point. Uh, and you've worked in technology and management for over 20 years uh, with companies like A&E Networks, AMC, ScreenVision, MovieTickets.com, MoviePass, uh, and are currently working on Festival Pass, which we will talk more about. But first off, welcome to our podcast, Ed. And uh, do you want to fill us in a little bit more on your background? Sure. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, happy to be here. And I appreciate uh, us having this conversation. <clears throat> There's always a little bit of context to uh, why people build companies. And I think you touched a little bit uh, upon my background but uh, it might be helpful to kind of walk a little bit through it because that context helps of why this, why today, why now. Part of it, I think what you, you had in there, I was right out of school, uh, a banker uh, in, in New York, an investment banker that only lasted until about 1999 when I realized that I'd rather be building companies than, than, than consulting or helping finance companies. Um, So uh, I started an e-commerce company in 1999, sold that in 2001. And then uh, for most of the 2000s, I had an experiential marketing agency uh, in New York called Vincent Partners, but we helped a lot of big brands um, uh, come to big events. So a lot of music and film festivals, et cetera. And it was a lot of fun during that time. And it really got me to start appreciating and love uh, this special moment that happens at a live event. We helped uh, the Vail Film Festival launch. We did work with Sonoma Valley Film Festival. We even owned a film festival down in the Dominican Republic uh, called the Dominican International Film Festival and even built a hotel down there with uh, Maxim Magazine back in the 2000s, which was a lot of fun. But fast forward a little bit. Um, I then had a software as a service business um, for retail and multi-unit businesses. We sold that in 2014. And then following that, had a company called Predict Analytics, um, which you referenced a bunch of the companies we worked with, um, but we really helped identify and create a consumer data strategy for a lot of big brands in television and film, like A&E Networks and AMC Networks and Screen Vision and Movie Tickets, et cetera. And um, during that time, you referenced uh, an infamous brand called MoviePass, <laughs> which we can talk about a little bit. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to... Uh, <laughs> to unravel there. But uh, I was asked at that time because of our experience in, uh, you know, data in the television and film space to come and help MoviePass with their uh, data strategy. Um, I even went in in-house uh, as a consultant, not not a full-time employee for about 18 months as their um, interim chief data officer to really help them figure out what to do with data on three and a half million people. But I, I think part of the process of getting to where we are today was all about my experiential time. First of all, having a commerce business online, which is how do you sell online? Two, having an experiential background and understanding what live events are. Three, having a a subscription 
uh, as a service business, realizing how much subscription is important for businesses to have recurring revenue streams for going into the pure data side of entertainment and really understanding consumer behavior to now taking a lot of learnings of what MoviePass did wrong uh, and some companies out there that did right, like ClassPass, uh, in terms of a business model. And to emulate that, uh, the, the good things, avoid the bad, and do it in a model that is huge. Uh, a lot of them business is a $200 billion business, global, uh, and there's a lot of fundamentals within the live event business that that lend itself to a marketplace model. Um, and we can get into a lot of that, but there's a little context of the why, why today, why festival pass. It wasn't just, I woke up one day and said, Hey, I like events or I like festivals. I want to go sell tickets. Nice. Uh, that's super interesting. And I, I want to dive into to festival pass, but you touched on uh, movie pass, which a lot of, a lot of us are probably familiar with and probably remember and I, I noticed them in the news recently because the former founder purchased uh, what was left of MoviePass out of bankruptcy. But by way of background, it was a movie ticket subscription service where you, know, you could get, you know, pay a monthly fee and then get a certain number of movie tickets to go to a theater and actually see a movie, which was super, super interesting as it kind of disrupted the, the market. But then also failed somewhat spectacularly through, uh, I, I guess there were a number of things that kind of went with it from, from what I uh, remember and what I have read about it after the fact, but you being part of that, maybe you can tell us, you know, some of your experience with it and you know, what were some of the things that worked and you know, where didn't that work specifically? Sure. Sure. So at the core, there was two major issues um, and we can dig into whatever you want to dig into, but uh, one, the business model wasn't good. <laughs> you know, when, whenever you have a situation where you don't control the cost of goods sold and it's an unlimited model, you, you get into a situation where you can't predict what the cost of the business are. So there's many ways to solve it and there's many ways to have fixed it, but um that leads kind of into the second piece of it, which, um, you know, the way the company was financed, it was financed as a, after it was bought from the original founders, it was financed as a, a publicly a publicly traded company owned the majority stake in, in the underlying company. And in order to finance the business, they would go out and raise money in the public markets. And once it was at a place where the company needed to continuously fund the business through selling new shares that diluted the shares. And then a lot of short sellers came in and made it harder for them to raise capital. The, that's two kind of combined things that make it hard when you can't predict your, your costs. And then when in order to meet the needs of those costs, you have to go raise public money in a public way and share information. Those are two uh, two combinations that make it hard to fully succeed. Um, and there was a lot of ways to fix that. So that's some of the, the the bad, like in terms of, you know, what wasn't being done right. There was many ways it could have been fixed by limiting the number of movies people see on a monthly basis, by charging more money, by creating more of a, a credit-based currency. There's a lot of ways to fix it. But some of the good things, so some of the good things that I learned a lot, especially as the interim chief data officer, is how powerful data is uh, on a national level across the entire country. I mean, when MoviePass had three and a half million subscribers, it really was the best data set in the entire industry. Um, you know, no studio had better because they only had 
data from their own movies. No, no chain like AMC or Regal or anybody had better because all they had was data from their own business. So nobody had a geographically dispersed, um, uh, statistically relevant, full genre data set like MoviePass did because they had members in every state, in every community going. Uh, and every time they'd go to a movie, we knew at MoviePass exactly what movie they went to see and it was deterministic data. So you had to have the app and you had to be able to identify who was going into the movie. Whereas even today, some of the other data sets include somebody either paying cash at the door when they go to a movie or using a credit card. And by the time you actually attach that credit card to the five tickets they bought for their family, you don't know who actually was sitting in the movie. Um, so anyway, that, that's some of the positive things is really understanding with a proper data set, it's powerful. The, the other thing is, and this is lending itself into what we're doing here at Festival Pass, is having the ability to understand the likes and dislikes of a large majority of people enable you to help the smaller businesses get exposure. So meaning on the movie side, whenever a blockbuster comes out, there's tens of millions of dollars being spent on marketing. And of course, they're going to find a way to get a ticket to it, whether it's through MoviePass or Fandango or anywhere else. Um, however, there's a lot of independent films that don't have the ability to get that exposure uh, or the marketing budget to do so. So it was interesting. We would find that whenever a movie pass, you'd place an independent film, um, you know, recommended right next to a blockbuster um, because, you know, some of the, the users, um, you know, had been to horror films in the past or they've been to romantic comedies or whatever it is. Movie pass would sell a ton of tickets for movies that wouldn't have that kind of exposure. So I relate that to even what we're doing on the, on the event level. Our name is Festival Pass, but we're all live events, right? So we have 80,000 events on the platform. It's every concert, every sporting event, every theater, at Broadway, anything you want to go to that's live, we have. Um, but when you can think about that capacity is even on the festival level, because it's easy sometimes for people to understand that, is, you know, of course, Coachella sells out every year. Of course, uh, you know, Rolling Loud sells out. All these like big major events, but there's thousands of others that may not sell out or may not have the marketing dollars or exposure or, or popularity, but are still amazing events. So the ability, as we grow our, our membership to hopefully millions of people, the ability to actually present really interesting events to our consumers that we already know are event goers and like to go to high frequency event goers and like to go out a lot, the ability to introduce other events, whether it's a band on a local level, whether it's a festival that still doesn't sell 10,000 of their 50,000 tickets or whatever it is, the ability for more and more people to discover things they didn't realize. So that's, uh, I'll, I'll stop there because that's a, a lot to swallow, but um, that's a little bit about the learnings and a little bit about the future. That's, that's really, really interesting. Um, you know, we've, we touched a lot on, you know, some of the the good and bad of movie pass and, and then diving into festival pass, what it is, you know, the, the subscription for live events uh, as I was looking through it, is it looks absolutely fascinating. And the ability, like you just mentioned, to get a broad spectrum of events, not just from the most popular, which a lot of us know, but to you know some of the local area type things that you may not have known about. Um, you, you brought to my mind, my, my brother owns a, a small shop and they in the back do concerts. So they do like concert mm -hmm. weekends during the summer. And it can be you know, somewhat limited to, you know, who knows about it, but being able to bring some of that 
to a much broader audience. Um, I'd love to just hear more, like, how have you seen that start to play out, especially as you were coming out of uh, COVID and, and people are starting to get back into live things? Like, what have been some of your experiences, both in you know some of these bigger live events, and then you know adding some of the smaller local things that you know may not have may not have been happening and and may not have been you know that well publicized. Sure. So <clears throat> there's a couple of things that are currently there, and others that are kind of on the roadmap that are coming out very soon. <clears throat> is uh, of course the ability to search you know, through the events in every capacity that you might want to find in terms of your local area or your local band or whatever it is, just being able to know where they're playing and what they're doing, kind of like a, a replacement for, you know, trying to, in the old days, people would go to like, you know, Time Out Magazine or to radio station websites, whatever, just to find out what's going on uh, or like a bands in town kind of thing. Going forward is this one, one of our key things that we're doing is creating that social frictionless way to discover. So, um, you know, in a traditional ticketing company, like, you know, I won't name names, but you go to it and it's very transactional, right? So yes, you can go find a ticket, whether it's primary or secondary market. Um, and, you know, it's transactional when you buy it. Uh, the fees get tacked on the end, which are very non-transparent and people get frustrated. So we're all about transparency, never paying a ticketing fee. You know, basically we're giving back margin to the user by committing to that monthly subscription. Um, so everybody wins, right? We might have less margin on the overall business, but recurring revenue has a higher multiple. So our enterprise value is bigger, even if our margin's less and the consumer is the one that's winning. So that's on the, that's on the fee side. But now on the discovery side, what's exciting is, um, you know, we're probably going to release our, um, mobile app in the next couple of weeks. Um, we've been mostly web-based to the, to this point, but, uh, it's, you know, it's a very TikTok, uh, Instagram like experience, right? So it's the idea that like on Instagram, when you follow your friends who shows up in the feed, the people you follow, right? So in our world, people can follow their favorite performer. They can follow their favorite sports team. They can follow their favorite local venue. They can follow a specific event like ACL or, or Coachella. And when they do right in their feed will be the uh, listing of discovery of all the events associated with it. So you pick your local venue in town, every event at that venue is going to show up in your feed. So you're constantly reminded of what's going on tonight on a Wednesday night at stubs in Austin or whatever in, in Salt Lake City. Um, but it's that ability to really curate your own experience. And then of course, just like Netflix, just like anything else, there's still 80,000 other events in there. If you want to go to the search and type in whatever you want, you can do that. But it's the idea of this frictionless discovery. And then of course, on the mobile app, you know, the way TikTok works, people can just hold up their phone and just flip through it. And, you know, hopefully over time, we'll get more and more video. So it'll be a little more TikTok-like in the world of video, but right now it's mostly imagery. That sounds sounds really, really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see that. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the the lessons that you've learned from MoviePass and from some of the others, but have there been things that uh, you've learned along the way that work and don't work, especially when it comes to live events? Yeah, I mean... The event, especially from the ticketing side, it hasn't really been innovated on in decades. It's been the same old. Um, and I, I think what we're learning is two things, is um, especially Gen Zs and millennials, they, they demand a better experience, right? So one, I mentioned earlier, the concept of a transactional experience as opposed to being part of a community. You know, as a subscriber, we call them members, you're building this interaction with an overall community around passion points. I think that's super important for the go forward that I think a lot of the transactional places fail. Um, second, 
is the ability for discovery to happen and the ability for uh, interactions to happen, uh, as well as being able to communicate with artists directly within the platform. So we have a whole program, again, you know, very close on the roadmap to be rolled out, but we have this badge concept where um, people can sign up for micro subscriptions on top of their base subscription. Um, so if they're paying 50 bucks a month for you know, getting a certain amount of credits to use for live events for an extra five or 10 bucks a month, they might follow their, their favorite band or their favorite personality. And for that, they get certain benefits. Benefits could be first, you know, first line in uh, the ability to get tickets when they're released. It could mean, you know, once a month of that band or person's uh, doing a, a virtual meet and greet. It could mean actual meet and greets at the show. It could mean lots of things. So it's the idea, almost like a you know, a super fan or almost like a digital subscript fan club subscription, but doing that in combination with the ability to access the tickets right there is pretty interesting for both the member and the, and the artists, because we're creating additional revenue streams for the artists, which are great. And then on top of that, you'll see directly soon after that, we'll be minting some NFTs for the artists directly within the platform. So when you have that group of super fans that are following them, those are the most likely consumers to want to participate in an artist NFT. And again, in the millennial Gen Z space, we're all moving towards this place where it's a creator economy, where artists should be able to monetize uh, and have that um, digital asset relationship directly with their fan. Yeah, I completely agree. That That's super exciting stuff. And you touched on one of the questions I wanted to dive into a little bit more is how was the engagement with the actual creators? Because, you know, you mentioned that allowing for, you know, some of these additional perks and following and interaction. Are there other ways that you're engaging with, you know, the actual creators of of some of these, whether it's the creators of, of the festival or or concert or the actual musicians and things like that in order to bring them closer to you know the people who are their fans and are paying for for what they're providing. Yeah, so on the event side of course, you know we're we're um, talking to a lot of uh, event producers and event owners and venue owners in order to give them an opportunity to reach a, reach another audience which are our members. Um, so we'll continue to find ways to even we've even considered and will likely do kind of branded subscriptions. Almost, the same micro subscription we would do for an artist could be the same for a local um, venue. So the local venue, you know, Rock Club XYZ, they might say, hey, well, I want to have a mini subscription on top of Festival Pass and we'll give special access to anybody who's part of our venue subscription on it, right? So, and then we'd share some of that revenue back with the venue or back with the uh, the event itself. <clears throat> on the artist side, absolutely. So we've been leaning heavily into that. You know, I mentioned when we were uh, getting ready for the call that I just got back from Aspen Live Music Conference. And, you know, at that conference, it was full of talent managers that represent some of the biggest artists as well as some of the, the more independent artists. And every single one of them is super excited about um, building and fostering a direct relationship with us and with the fans so that the artist, the creator can can find other ways to monetize um, things that they're creating outside of the traditional economic system that's been around for decades. Yeah, that uh, super interesting. And you mentioned, uh, you know, getting into some of the NFTs. Have you experimented with that at all yet? Or is this going to be kind of the first uh, foray into some of the experimentation with NFTs and, and artists? Yeah, so so um, we have not yet, um, but we, we have a strategy and a plan um, to roll it out. So first thing you'll see on Festival Pass, call it within the next 30 days, if, if not 30, 60, um, just simply uh, allowing 
our members to attach their crypto wallets to the platform so that one, they could pay their subscriptions or buy tickets with cryptocurrencies. Um, so that's the first kind of step into making that happen. Two, um, soon, soon thereafter, or even parallel, you'll see more and more of these micro subscriptions popping up for the artists. Uh, and then I'd say it's probably more of a three to six month out timeframe where our members will actually be able to mint NFTs right there on the platform. Uh, and then, of course, those NFTs can trade anywhere, whether they trade on OpenSea or Coinbase or anywhere else. Um, it's really the ability for the artists to connect directly with their fans within the Festival Pass platform. Um, so everybody wins. No, that's super exciting stuff. I, I love it. Have you encountered... Uh, well, let me let me ask first. You know, you've got a, a lot of stuff currently and then coming down the pipeline. How do you kind of go about prioritizing, you know, where you think the biggest value is or, you know, what some of the most important things are now and, and you kind of midterm and longer term? Sure. So I think, um, we're effectively a marketplace, right? So whenever you look at any kind of marketplace that you build, you have two sides of a marketplace, supply and demand. So in order for demand to happen, you need supply or vice versa. So, um, so we had to make a, put a, uh, you know, flag in the ground to say, well, what do we really need first? The good news is, is on the consumer side, the concept of uh, creating awareness and acquisition of new members is really a function of money. Uh, at the end of the day, really, the the as long as um, you know, coming from a, a digital marketing kind of background and perspective, as long as you um, understand your KPIs, know how much money you have to spend to make somebody aware of the offering you have, it's you can grow, you know, by a thousand members a week, or you can grow by 20,000 members a week if you have the cash to spend against it, because as long as you have a good offering. So the hard part initially was to say, okay, well, what do we do first? And we chose to make sure we have supply first. So we've, um, you know, done deals with a bunch of uh, products within the secondary market, as well as the primary market, so that we do have 80,000 events on the platform. So, so anybody coming and joining Festival Pass can rest assured that they're definitely going to find an event they want to go to. Um, so that was one of the challenges is to decide what route to take. Do we go one by one building out primary relationships that might take a long time to get enough inventory? Or do we just go really hard after the inventory so that when people join, they immediately get value? So that's that's the priority we chose, right? So now we're at a place where we have a lot of great inventory. There's more we will still want to get. And there's a lot of um, relationships that we're building directly with the artists and directly with the venue owners or producers. But we have great inventory now. So anybody signing up will always have cool stuff to do. So now fast forward on the marketplace side of supply and demand, of course, there's a bunch of the feature sets, any, any good, uh, good, uh, web company or, you know, call it online company. Uh, the product roadmap is very long. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's really just deciding on which social features to add first. Um, you know, and that's why I shared with you kind of the roadmap on the web three crypto side is you can't boil the ocean. So for us, it's like, okay, let's just make sure people that are interested in the crypto world, can have their wallets attached because you can't sell NFTs unless the wallet's attached. So let's just, let's just get something out. Let's, let's provide value immediately, which is, Hey, I want to trade or buy and sell or use my cryptocurrency to, to get tickets. Great. And that's a prerequisite for any of the other things we want to do anyway. So, so that, I mean, that's the way I look at priorities is what, what value proposition does it solve today? And then um, what can we add to it in the future without having to, you know, reconstruct the entire technology platform. Right. Now that makes sense. Very, very interesting. You know, we, we 
you've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, getting a lot of different live events on, and there are upwards of 80,000, I think you mentioned. Um, have you uh, experienced resistance either initially or, or kind of ongoing, or has it been uh, pretty widely accepted that, you know, this kind of subscription model for festivals is going to be uh, something that works? And, and if you have experienced, you know, some of the, either the friction or resistance, like how have you worked to overcome that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so there are enough people, especially in the younger kind of set uh, that have experienced the way credit-based subscriptions work, but not everybody, right? So those who have ever joined ClassPass and there's millions of subscribers get it because they know that they pay a monthly fee, they get credits and they can use it. The only difference with us is credits roll over. So you never lose credits as long as you're a paying member. Whereas in things like ClassPass, um, you lose your credits if you don't use them in the month. Um, so we look at it as like a bank account. So the ability for people, even if they sign up for 50 bucks a month and only went to one event this month, it's okay because the credits continue to roll over and, you know, two or three months down the road, they might have enough credits to go to a big festival if they wanted, or they could choose to use it to go to 10 smaller events. So it's up to them. Um, so that's, that's an important differentiator. And then um, in terms of the friction, it's really about education. You know, I will readily admit we have tons of people that come and sign up as a free membership, but it's really about educating them on the value of why to join as a paid. And, uh, and we're in that process now. So, you know, the idea of converting our many tens of thousands of members into fully paying members is a process. So, you know, this is just more the background entrepreneurial story. We have a new landing page going up next week that takes people through the value proposition and gives a little slider of a calculator that says, well, hey, you would have paid a hundred bucks for the ticket anywhere else. If you're a founding member of Festival Pass, which is the top tier member, you would have saved $36. So it's like just showing people the value proposition visually, I think will greatly help that conversion into the paid. And then once they are a member and they start seeing, oh, wow, I can engage in this way, I continue to save money, and now I'm first in line to buy NFTs and my favorite artist, hmm, it starts getting exciting. Uh, that's great. So let me ask, what are you, you know, we've talked about a whole bunch of uh, different things, different things that are coming that are, are currently happening. What are you most excited about with both within the space, with what you're doing and, and what the future looks like? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm talking about a lot of those things. I mean, one, I'm excited that 2022 really will be a breakout year uh, for the live events business. I think, you know, up until the last six months has been a slow return. So there's been, you know, it depends on what state you live in, Texas and Florida, there's events every day. Um, other places there may not be Broadway's back as of September. So there's a lot of things happening uh, and everybody's kind of coming back to it in their own ways. Obviously, uh, everybody's still being cautious. Uh, hopefully, vaccination rates continue to increase to make it easier, and those who choose not to can still get tested. Um, but we're in a place where I think people are getting more and more comfortable living with our current situation so that so that more and more live events are happening. I already know there's already double the events planned for 2022 than there were in 2019. The inventory is large. The demand is large. So I get excited about how interesting the industry will be for a full year of actually live. So that there's that piece. And then the second piece is um, personally super fascinated by, you know, the crypto space and the NFT space. And um, I think 2021 was a tipping point where it's, it's become a mainstream conversation. And I still believe, you know, 95% of the, the US population doesn't even know what an NFT is yet. Um, and that's okay because 
that you're either a super crypto enthusiast and you get it and then you jump right in and you're like, I'm in. But the other 94% has to find a path of where it makes sense. And I think our platform is the ideal solution for that education because all I know is I like my, my artists. All I know is I like to go to live events. And when I'm engaging in the platform and I say, oh, wow, my favorite music artist has this really cool thing that gives me utility and something I can do with it. And if I buy it, the artist is getting the money. Therefore, um, it's not going to a bunch of other places. And by the way, this thing might be worth 10x what I paid for it in a year. Hmm, that's interesting. But at least, at least I can try that out. It's not some, some um, you know, sometimes to some investors, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum in general, where they just don't fully understand it. They just think it's, you know, something that's a phantom thing that maybe someday will be worth more. Whereas if we can put utility to it and say, well, even if it isn't worth more in the future, by having it, you get to do all these cool things. Then I think, I think the general population will start getting that and understanding it. And, and, and as they say in the crypto world, ape into it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that is a super exciting space to be in, especially at the juncture of you know where a lot of the web two is is meeting web three and you know where the live events it start to meet you know where early adopters start to meet uh some of the more mainstream and it, it just makes it that much easier. I'm really excited for for that space as well, like where it just becomes much more integrated and much easier to both engage directly with creators like you're talking about. And then also, you know, in the things that we're already doing, have some of those web three crypto things very easily available, uh, whether it's NFTs or, or other things coming down the pike. It's, it's exciting. 2022 is going to be really, really interesting. And I'm, I'm excited. Live events are coming back too. We've already got some concerts that we've bought tickets to and whatnot. It's uh, it's coming back. And that probably mirrors what you've seen as well. Like, um, especially you mentioned, you know, doubling from 2019 live events. Have you, have you been seeing a steady increase in live events as they different States and different areas start to, to come back from uh, where we have been more restricted in lockdown? I have. And, and I think it's a, there's also just the intuitive nature of it is creators, which are the songwriters and bands. Uh, this is more the music side, but it's yeah. really applicable anywhere is they've been, you know, sitting for the last two years at home, writing music they need to get out and share that music, right? So they got a tour. And when they go to tour, that just creates the, that much more inventory. Well, that's great. All right. Let me, let me ask if there's anything else that you, know, you kind of want to mention or talk about or uh, before we move on to some of the final questions. Yeah, I think, I think you got a, a good picture of you know, what we're excited about. So I think that's, that's uh, most of it. All right. I will semi-end with a last question here before we move to kind of our final section, but uh, any favorite thing that you've been reading recently or have read recently? Oh, you mean like a book or? Yeah. Else? Yeah. Book or anything like that. Um, well, podcast wise, I mean, uh, obviously I talked a lot about NFT, so there's, you know, I, I barely go to the gym, uh, without, uh, having an NFT podcast in my ear. Um, so bankless 
Uh, if you guys know, if you don't know if your bank list is, it's a great podcast that kind of gives a full weekly rundown of what it is. Um, you know, NFT 365, this guy Fanzo talks every day. He's minting a new NFT. So it's just, just fun to listen to stuff like that to really understand the different perspectives of, you know, how people are talking about it. Um, so those are two things. Just from a pure business perspective, one of my favorite books has always been Measure What Matters um, by John Doerr. He's a venture capitalist, but it, it's been a kind of a system that many, many fast growth companies have used, but it's, it's, it's there's a whole process to it, but it's very simple. It's really tying, you know, quarterly and annual goals into daily KPIs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I like. Uh, and then, you know, other than that, um, you know, I'm ex- excited for some of the silly uh, TV shows that keep coming back. Somebody, I went to see a, I was at the, I think it was a country music festival in Austin at Coda um, at an amphitheater where Chris Stapleton, Willie Nelson, a few others were playing. And one of the the kind of lead in singers was a guy on a TV show called Yellowstone. I don't know if anybody watches the TV show Yellowstone, but uh, he was an actor and, and did most of the music on, on the show. And seeing him live got me to go watch the show. And then once I got watched the show, I got caught up in it and watched all three seasons. So now I hear there's a prequel coming out uh, with Tim McGraw and Faith Hill uh, starring in it. So I'm going to be watching that. Nice. Uh, even though before moving to Texas, I'd never listened to a lick of country in my life. Oh, uh, that's good. Um, too good. But now is it all country all the time or? Just- no, 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 not at all. I just, I, to me, I'm, I just love singer songwriters. Yep. So for example, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I mean, Bruce Springsteen is the ultimate singer songwriter. You know, some might say he's got the best voice. Some might say he doesn't, but at the end of the day, his poetry is great. And so, you know, I kind of, I kind of rolled into uh, country by Chris, Chris Stapleton because he's just an amazing poet and singer songwriter. So I almost could care less about the quote unquote genre more so the, the message and the, and the, you know, the, the poetry. Absolutely. No, that's, that's good. All right. Well, uh, Ed, it has been really, really great talking. I think there's been a, an amazing conversation on a whole bunch of different topics, which is super exciting because I am very, very excited about all of them going forward. The, where, where can people find out more about you and about Festival Pass? Sure. So festivalpass.com, the easiest place to, to find out more about the actual, um, you know, the actual company and sign up. You can sign up for free. You don't have to pay right away. You can sign up, explore things. And then when you decide to to engage and buy a ticket, you can then move to a paid subscription. You know, we're on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok partially. Uh, And then me personally on a business side, really just on LinkedIn is the best place to find me. But, but outside of that festivalpass.com, you know, just festival pass on, on all the uh, socials and, you'll be able to find us. Awesome. Well, this this has been really great. Again, we'll put the links in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, And before we go, we always end with a shout out or gripe. So I don't know if you've brought anything that you are using or from products or or technology that you are enjoying or not enjoying. You want to either give a shout out or a gripe to. There's a a balance of great future potential, but frustration in using it is a this might get too technical. Is it, is, is it even worth saying it? But uh, Say it. yeah, we, uh, so we build our application in, in uh, React. Uh, and by doing so, uh, React isn't statically rendered pages. So it makes it hard for SEO. And you can imagine with 80,000 events, 50,000 performers, SEO is important to us. So we use a, a product called Gatsby uh, and that, that automatically statically renders 300,000 pages that are on our website. But that being said, the concept of it is great and the system is great, 
but sometimes it gets frustrating because you know it might take an extra 10 minutes to rebuild a change on the website. You got to wait for it before you can see it. And, you know, so there's, it's a gripe and a, and a shout out all at the same time. Uh, that, that mirrors my experience too. So we've, we've used both React and Gatsby as well in, in a couple of companies and products that we were doing. And it has some really strong points and some areas that, uh, are, are not quite as good. So that I hear you. Anybody who's used it probably has similar shout outs and gripes yes, to make about it. But I can only imagine they're going to fix it soon yeah. because so many people rely on it. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's great. I I'll give a shout out. I thought you were going to take mine cause you said balance there, but, um, there, there's a new app that I've been using called balance. Um, and it comes, I love, uh, the, it's kind of like a mind, not a mind game, but like a mind, just knowledge improvement game type thing called elevate. And so they also cool. created an app called balance, uh, that I've been trying out and really, really cool. So elevate the game is amazing. I love, I love those. And then, uh, balance it's, uh, it's been a kind of a cool meditation app, um, among some other heavy hitters. So I've used a couple of them, but it's a good one. If you're interested, I, love it. I will check it out. Yeah. I'm a big fan of balance and we start every one of our all hands meetings with a, uh, uh, you know, a centering exercise. And then, you know, it uh, really helps us kind of mini meditation before we start. So I get it. Yep. Yeah, no, it's good. And they were giving away free, uh, basically free trials for the next year. So I was like, well, I, cool. I'm using a different one, but I will, I'm going to try them both at the same time and see. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Ed. I really appreciate it. We'll put the links in the show notes and look forward to hearing and seeing more about what's coming with festival pass. It sounds super exciting going into 2022. Uh, and, and all those concert tickets you're buying, you should buy them through festival. Pass. I know I, I, I regret not doing it. We, we bought some, uh, it's a few months ago. So I'm going to definitely start doing that through festival pass. Now I'm going to check it out and we'll, we'll get on there. Cool. Thanks Kyle. Appreciate right. it. Thanks Ed. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter product thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.